Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. Now I gotta go. I gotta go back to where I came from. But that would be painful for Paul because it's like, uh, you, you don't even know the small things really. I mean, I've been with you for two weeks. I've told you what I can, but I gotta go to Macedonia or to Greece or to Rome or to Spain or to Macedonia or to wherever else I'm gonna go. I gotta leave you. And he would leave. So how would he leave? And here's how he would do that. He would leave by making sure they all knew their spiritual gifts, and he would trust the power of the Holy Spirit to take their spiritual gifts and then make leaders up in the church. Guess what? Look what he says. I think he says this in 1 Corinthians, um, 1 Corinthians 1 6. Now he says, You have every, do you see that? Every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, I've given you, you, or the Holy Spirit has given you every single spiritual gift. And so last week, what did we do? We took a little vote. I gave you all pieces of paper and a map. And hopefully what you did is you said, hey, look, these are my spiritual gifts. You filled that piece of paper out. You brought that with you either Wednesday or you brought that with you this morning and put that in the back. And why are we doing that? So we can learn, hey, what is your spiritual gifts? Because probably a vast majority of us in here may not know what we're gifted at. Or you gifted at discernment. Like, how many of you, as you're sitting there, you're really listening to what I say? And you're like, that's true, Brother Drake. Just call me Drake. That's true, Drake. Or, I, I don't know about that. Maybe you should reconsider that. Anybody like that? Anybody really paying attention? Like, oh, I don't know about this. I like that. Maybe some of you are very good at praying. You are, you are adamant about praying. And when you pray, things actually come to pass. You have a way better prayer life than me. Maybe that's some of your gifts. Maybe some of your gifts is you're just nice to people. Like you, te- like you are an encourager. You make people's day. Some of your gifts may be wisdom. You can look at A and you can look at B and you say, hey, A's better than B. This is why. Some of you just have wisdom. But where is the beginning of wisdom? It's fear of the Lord. It's fear of the Lord. I looked that word up, fear. And you know what fear means? Fear is actually from the word yara. And it means respect or honor. So it says respect because a lot of people get, a lot of people associate fear with terror, but that's a different word in the Hebrew. It's actually respect of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. Or if you honor the Lord, that is the beginning of wisdom. And I love how poetic it is because Lord in Hebrew is a word called Yahweh. Have you ever heard that word before? Yeah, that name before. So he says, Yara, Yahweh. Fear, you see how poetic that is? Fear the Lord, beginning of wisdom. Some of you are gifted in totally different things. But whatever that is, you need to know this is where the Spirit has gifted me. So that's what we try to put in your hand. So you can take that if you want, uh, fill that out. There's extra papers if you need that um, in the back as well. But here's what I want to say, okay? Now, today we're going to talk a little bit about the most difficult hill that Paul had to climb. 
And that hill that he had to climb was with the law. Because when Paul would go from one place to the other, who was he speaking to? Was he speaking to Jews or Gentiles mostly? He was speaking to both, but mostly he was speaking to Gentiles. And as he would go from place to place to place, he would have to speak to the Gentiles that didn't have an idea what the Old Testament said. The law, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. It would say things like this. You should not um, commit adultery. Yeah, perfect. You should not kill. You should not steal. Honor um, your father and mother. It would say stuff like, you should have no gods before me. You remember these, right? You grew up learning them, remembering them. Well, that's the Torah. And so Paul was saying, these Gentiles, they don't have the law of Moses. They don't have the Torah. And so he would go from place to place to place. And the Torah actually gets really like, like particular about some things. I'll give you an example. In the Torah, what I'm wearing would not be lawful. Because the Torah says you can wear whatever you want to wear, but be sure it's made out of only one type of material. So with all your clothes, it should only be made out of something. So if you want to wear a cotton, it has to be all cotton. You want to wear polyester, that's fine. All has to be polyester. You want to wear linen, that's fine, but it all has to be linen. You can't wear different types of material. That's a crazy law, right? That's something that we don't understand. It would say something like this. Um, let me think of another one that's pretty crazy. Okay, here's one. If, uh, if, if a bull has been strangled, like if you have a cow and you strangle it, like you choke it to death and that's how it dies, you can't eat it. You got to throw it away. The only way that you, can, that you can eat it is if you cut it and all the blood drains out, then it's good because in that culture you could not eat blood. That's a crazy law, right? And so Paul is writing to these people who don't know the law, and he's, he's saying, hey, look, how do I relate to the people who don't have the law and tell them about Jesus Christ? I mean, after all, what's the purpose of the law? And so here's what Paul would say, okay? As he was writing to the Gentiles, here's what he would say. He would say, here, this is the purpose of the law, all right? It comes from 1 Corinthians. Um, um, skip to the next one, by the way. Skip, yeah, skip to the next one. Um, but now I finished the work. All right, uh, let's go to, uh, let's see, the purpose of the law. Go to um, Romans 3.19, Griff, if you have that up there. Romans 3.19. Yeah, he would say this. For it's being the law. Here's the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to keep people from having excuses as to show that the entire world is guilty before God. So the purpose of the law, what is it? Just to show that we are sinful. Just to show that we have strayed away from God. And so here's what he would also say. He would say this. He would say, not only is that the purpose, but you Gentiles also have the law written on your heart. Get this. From Romans 2, it says, Even Gentiles, even you who I'm writing to, you Gentiles, who do not have God's written law, show that they know His law when they instinctively obey it, even without having heard it. They demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience, what we're going to talk about today, and their thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right or wrong. And how many of you want to say, yeah, that's true. I know in my heart that's wrong to kill somebody. I know 
in my heart that it's wrong to, to covet after somebody. I know in my heart that it's wrong to commit adultery. Those are things that we know in our hearts, and that's what he's saying. He's like, you have the law written on your hearts. And so where does he go from there? Well, let me say um, he, his idea is going to be that we need to move from following the law to following a new law, which is the Spirit. Guess what he says in Romans, I believe it's chapter 7. He says this, But now... We have been released from the law, the law that we're about to follow. We've been released from it, for we have died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living by the Spirit. So Paul says, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say no to the law, and now we have a new law that's going to be the Spirit of God living inside us. Now, this is what Paul taught. And I, I think we have one more. Uh, do we have 2 Corinthians uh, 3, 6 right there? Yeah, uh, it, it says the same thing. Get this. It says this. He, being God, has enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written on laws, okay, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. So here's Paul's goal, okay? I know this is deep theologically, but hang on with me, all right? We're going to get somewhere with it. He's going to say, I think, this is Paul speaking. He's, here's what he says. He says, the old law ends in death. We're going to follow something new. We are going to follow the Spirit and what the Spirit guides. All right? Now imagine you're a Jew. This would infuriate you. This would make you so mad. You're like, Paul, you mean to tell me that you don't think the law is good? That the law is binding? You think we should live by the Spirit? Are you saying the law is useless? And it would infuriate the Jews. So as Paul would go from place to place to place to place, as he would go to all these different places, here's what he would do. He would write them a letter. Go back up to the very first slide, Griff. I think it's um, somewhere in 1 Corinthians. Um, and it talks about uh, yeah, 1 Corinthians 5, 9. He says this, When I wrote to you before, I told you. And he's going to tell them what he told you. But then they would respond, the church in Corinth, and he would do this at all the churches he would go. They would respond, and they would say something like this. Um, the next verse says, Now regarding the question you asked in your letter, so Paul says, Hey, you wrote me a letter back. I'm going to respond to you. So Paul would respond to these churches by asking different types of questions by responding by letter. Now, Here's what happens. He goes to all these different places. Still keep in mind, by the way, still keep in mind that we have Paul saying, let's forsake the law and let's follow the Spirit. All right? That's what Paul said. Law leads to death. Spirit leads to life. Let's follow the Holy Spirit in our lives and let's forsake this. All right? So he still ha he's been saying that everywhere he's gone, to Corinth, to Rome, to Galatia, to wherever he goes. And now news of, of his teaching has spread to the Jews which are in Jerusalem. Alright? And they are so mad. They are so mad at Paul. They want to kill Paul. And now, now we're about to pick up in the story. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 21. And if you don't have your Bible, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen. 
But we're going to go to verse 15 and 16. We are just learning about the life of Paul. That's all we're doing, all right? Learning about the life of Paul. And here is what he says. He says, verse 15, Acts 21, After this, we... Who is we? It's the author whoever wrote Acts and Paul and a couple of his friends packed our things and left for Jerusalem. Some believers from Caesarea accompanied us and they took us to the home of Manson, a man originally from Cyprus and one of the early believers. When they arrived, verse 17, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed us warmly. The next day, Paul went with us to make James and the elders of Jerusalem that were present. Verse 19, after greeting them, Paul gave a detailed account of the things that God had accomplished among the Gentiles through his ministry. So he says, this is everything that I've done for the Gentiles all over the world. All right, verse 20, after hearing this, they praise God. Woo, this is awesome. And they said, you know, dear brother, you know, dear brother, speaking to Paul, brother Paul, that's where they get brother Drake. And that's where, they, that's where it comes from, by the way. That one verse. How many, actually it's two verses. It says it twice. How many thousands of Jews have also believed, and they follow the law of Moses very seriously. So now do you see the animosity that's coming in James' voice? He's like, you've spoken this to all the Gentiles, but there are thousands of Jews that believe, and they follow the law very seriously. So now we got a fight that's about to break out. But the Jewish believers here in Jerusalem have been told that you are teaching all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn their backs on the law of Moses. They heard that you teach them not to be circumcised or circumcise their children or follow all other Jewish customs. Now everybody's sweating at the temple right now, okay? Verse 22, what should we do then? They will certainly hear that you are here. And J this is James speaking. He says, okay, now here's what we should do. He says, I have a solution. I have a solution. Verse 23. Here's what, here's what, you, should, here's what you want to do. All right? We have four men that have just completed their vow. Now here's what you need to do. You need to go with them to the temple and join them in their purification, paying for them to have their heads shaved, then everyone will know that the rumors are false and that you yourself obey the Jewish laws. As for the Gentiles, they should do what we have already told them in our other letter. They should abstain from eating food offered to idols, from consuming blood or the meat of strength. Oh, do you see that right there? Do you see um, avoid the meat of strangled animals? That's what I was talking about earlier with the cow. Do you remember when we were talking about that? Yeah, so it says it right there. And from what? Sexual immorality. If you want to know where that came from, go look at Acts chapter 15, and, it, and, and it'll give you that whole story about where that came from, because there's a background. So, in verse 26, what happens? It says this, So, Paul went to the temple the next day with the other men. They had already started their purification ritual. So, he publicly announced the date when their vows would end, and sacrifices would be offered for each of them. Now, you may be thinking in your mind, like, what in the world? This is so 
Hypocritical, Paul. This is blasphemous, Paul. You told the entire known world. You told the Galatians. You told the Corinthians. You told the church in Ephesus. You have told everybody not to obey the law, that we're free from the law, that we should live by the Spirit. Now you go to Jerusalem, they call you out on it, and you fall back under the law. Do y'all see how this would be hypocritical? But is it, is it hypocritical? Because I thought this, and here's what I concluded. I found this verse in the Bible. It comes from 1 Corinthians, um, unless you're Donald Trump, you say 1 Corinthians 9, verse 20 through 21. And here's what it says, okay? Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. So, when I, here's what he says, okay? Ready? This is what Paul says. Get this. When I was with the Jews... I live like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I'm not subject to the law, I did this. Why? So I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ but I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. So Paul is saying, when I'm with the Jews, I'm under the law so I can bring them to Christ. When I'm with the Gentiles, I'm apart from the law. I live under the law of Christ. Why? So I can win them to Christ. Okay, so now, what's going to happen in Paul's story? It's like, man, this is crazy. Here's what happens. In verse 27, it starts by saying, the seven days were almost ended when some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul in the temple and roused a mob against him. They grabbed him, verse 28, yelling, Men of Israel, help us! This is the man who preaches against our people everywhere and tells everybody to disobey the Jewish laws. He speaks against the temple and even defiles the holy place by bringing in Gentiles. For earlier that day, they had seen him in the city with Trophimus and a Gentile from Ephesus, and they assumed that Paul had taken him into the temple. Now, verse 30, the entire city was rocked by these accusations. A great riot followed. Paul was grabbed and dragged out of the temple. Immediately, the gates were closed behind him as they were trying to kill him. Word reached the commander of the Roman regiment that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately called out his soldiers and officers and ran down among the crowd. When the mob saw the commanding troops and the officers coming, they stopped beating Paul. They stopped beating Paul. Then the commander arrested him, ordered him bound with two chains, and asked the crowd who he was and what he had done. Now some shouted one thing, some another, so he couldn't find out the truth in all the uproar and the confusion. So he ordered that Paul be taken to the fortress. As Paul reached the stairs, the mob grew so violent that the soldiers had to lift him on their shoulders to protect him. And the crowd followed behind shouting, kill him, kill him, kill him. Now here is Paul, all right? Here is Paul, a man who has gone all over the world. He comes back to Jerusalem, and now the entire city is in an uproar, shouting, kill him, kill him, kill him. And so what happens? Paul 
is about to be in prison. From this point on, y'all, from this point on, Paul will never see a day out of prison. He will stay in prison for the rest of his five years of life. He will continue to be in prison. And he will eventually die in prison. Some call it house arrest, so you can call it that too, house arrest. So he stays in prison for two years. He sails to Rome. On Rome, they have a shipwreck. He finally gets to Rome, and he writes them a letter while he's on his way, or actually before he's coming. And do you want to know what he says to his letter in Rome? It's crazy. Here's what he says. He said, I've done all this. I've been everywhere that I am. I've taught this. I'm about to die for it. So what is my final teaching? His final teaching is that you should obey what you, your conscience thinks is right. I want to show you this. I want to show you this. He writes it in Romans 14. Turn with me in your Bibles if you have to Romans 14. Romans 14. So writing this letter, selling to what's going to be his death, he says this, verse 14. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about, with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's right to eat anything, but another person with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has already accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or they fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. Verse 5, he says this, In the same way, some think that one day is more holy than another, while others think that every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. So we still have that today. Like some people, Seventh-day Adventists worship on which day? Saturday. We as Protestants worship on which day? Sunday. We still have the same thing, okay? And he says, you should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so. Why? To honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating it. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and to give thanks to God. Now, we skip a little bit all the way down to verse 14, and we'll pick back up. Skip all the way down in your Bibles to verse 14. We'll pick back up, and here's what it says. I know and I am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes that it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another, do you see how crazy that is, okay? Then he says in verse 15, and if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone else for Christ whom he has died. And the chapter finishes off. Now, I'm not going to tell you to read this, but just listen to me, okay? Here's how the chapter finishes off. off. He says this, If you do anything that you believe is not right, that you are sinning if you continue to do it. 
So where does that leave? Where does that leave us? All right. It leaves us by, it leaves us by saying this. Our conscience is our God by which we operate many times. We think this is wrong. We think this is right. And we operate living our entire life like that. But here's what we should do, okay? Here's what Paul says to do. He says, I want you to take your conscience and I want you to align it with Scripture. So we may think something is right, but we should take that and line it up with Scripture and see what Scripture says. I'll give you an example, okay? When I was in college, my roommate was a guy by the name of Braxton Hinton. I took a Tootsie Roll wrapper, and on the back of the Tootsie Roll wrapper, I wrote, learn how to drive, bro, and I put that on his SUV under the little windshield sticker, and, I, and he came in the next day, and he saw it. He said, he, he, he called me Brother Nelson, too, so I guess it's just one of those things, okay? So he came in there, he said, Brother Nelson, you'll never guess what happened. He said, I had somebody write on a Tootsie Roll wrapper for all things, learn how to drive, bro, and the person that was parked beside me was all cattywampus in their own parking spot, and I was like, <laughs> wonder who did that. <laughs> I was just sitting up there in my bed laughing. All right, this went on for like a month. It's like, yeah, man, I don't know who left you that thing until one day I read in the Bible, it said, you who lie to your brother and say, oh, I was just kidding, it says, woe to that person. So I read it, and I'm like, okay, so I should be, I, that, that's simple for me. And so I picked up my Bible, and I said, Braxton, I have a confession. And I said, you know that Tootsie Roll wrapper? Well, that was me, and let me tell you why I told you now. So I read him that verse, and he just died out laughing. He was like, I knew it was you all along, Brother Nelson. I was like, no, you didn't, all right? So why, so why do I tell that example? Do you see how through reading the Bible, I aligned my conscience, what I thought was right or wrong, with the Word of God? That's how we should be also. But now what about when the Bible doesn't tell us something? What about when it doesn't tell us about what to do? Like, for example, the Bible doesn't tell us which party to vote for. It doesn't tell us about, we have all types of things. We have things like um, whether or not we should drink alcohol. Some people think you should, some people sh think you shouldn't. Or whether or not you should smoke a cigar. What do you think about entertainment? Or what do you think about gambling? Or what do you think about, um, I don't know, the coronavirus, for goodness sake. What do you think about... Um, um, who to date or when to date or what job to take. There are all types of stuff that the Bible doesn't give explicit details on what to do. Instead, the Bible, get this, it shapes the way that we think. The Bible shapes the way we think. Griff, I have a verse up there and it talks about it shapes the way that we think. I believe it's Romans 12 too. Do you see Romans 12 too up there? Romans 12.2, um, get this, Romans 12.2 is what we're going, yeah, there you go. It says, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by what? By changing the way that you think. That's what the Bible does. Let's go to the next verse. Um, I think it comes from 1 Corinthians, yeah, 1 Corinthians 15.34. Think carefully, you hear that? Think carefully about what is right and stop sinning. So that's what the Bible does. So align ourselves to the Bible. And when the Bible doesn't say something specific, let it transform the way we think about things.
let's pour into what is God teaching me, what is God telling me about what to do or what not to do when the Bible isn't specific, okay? Now let me end by saying this. Here's my advice that I give, all right? Here's my advice that I give. When you search for something in the Bible and you cannot find it, and when you pray about something and you do not hear from God, what should you do then? Okay, God gave you a mind, so use it. All right? God gave you a mind, so use it. And with the best of your knowledge, do what you think is right. With the best of your knowledge, when you don't know, you haven't gotten something from God, when you haven't found it in your scripture, do what you think is right. God gave you a mind. You have prayed on it. You have tried to let it transform the way you think. Do what you think is right, all right? All right, good. We're going to continue this conversation next week. We're going to talk about the conscience one more Sunday, and we'll finish up with Paul, because the Bible has so much more to say that we didn't get to today. I'm excited about it. I hope you've learned something. Listen here. I know this has been like an intellectual sermon, like, okay, yeah, like, what, like what, what's going on? But, but I, think, I, I think the Bible speaks for itself. And it's so cool when the Bible comes to life. The Bible is so amazing. I want to encourage you all to dig into the Bible. Read some of Romans this week. Read some of Acts this week because it will transform the way that we think and the way that we live. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for letting us be here today and study your word and dig into your word and see just what it is that you say about the conscience and, and, and what we feel about certain things and, and what we think is right or wrong, specifically when the Bible may not mention it specifically. God, let it transform the way that we think and there, therefore transforming the way that we live. Let us live with your spirit guiding our every move. God, we pray these things in your name. Amen and amen.